Hey, it's Love Coach Heidi, Heidi McGurk, creator of Life School, which stands for Love Yourself First Empowerment. And today, we are going to be talking about one of the attachment personality patterns of the withholder. Well, first of all, what is an attachment personality pattern? Well, when we're born into a family dynamic, especially a family dynamic that is dysfunctional in any way, whether it be addicted or abusive or alcoholic or absent, we try to scramble and figure out how to survive, thrive, connect, or cope in that family of origin. And we try on a bunch of different ways of being and ways of showing up. Those are called attachment personality patterns. I want you to think about it like if attachment theory, personality theory, and codependency had a baby, the attachment personality patterns would be that. And again, I want to remind you, I'm not here to diagnose anybody. What I'm doing is giving you a personality framework that I've created over the course of my 20 years of work to help you deal in so that you can start to get the insight and education and awareness that you need to break free from some of these patterns because again they are patterns and it's just a way that you've been behaving so far in your relationships and the great news is awareness is the first step to breaking those patterns so we're going to talk about the five key indicators that you could be a withholder and these key indicators again there's five however there are much many more and maybe you identify as a withholder but i didn't name necessarily one of your traits it's it's not so fixed i don't want you to look at it like the gospel again i also don't want you to think you have to have all five traits in order to be a withholding uh, attachment personality if you exhibit one trait but it's very severe and your mind then you might identify yourself as a withholder it's only important to identify with an attachment personality pattern there are eight by the way it's only important for you to identify with one so that you can start to have that awareness around how you've been showing up in your relationships so again that you can break these dysfunctional toxic patterns once and for all so the first key indicator that we're going to get into with a withholder is around the area of feelings a couple of different ways this shows up for you number one you are withholding your feelings and sometimes even from yourself so it might show up for you in a way that you have trouble identifying what you're feeling in fact when somebody asks you what you feel you immediately answer i think or i think i feel you don't know how to go right into the feeling you kind of stay in the thinking realm versus the feeling realm because that feels a lot safer for you another way not just identifying but you might have a hard time expressing or showing your feelings in fact i once knew a withholder that did such a good job mostly of stuffing down her feelings in her mind she was really in control of that but she found herself crying or feeling feelings at inopportune times she'd be in a business meeting and start to get really upset and feel tearful and get really angry at herself because she thought even if she was justified in feeling that way her opinion was vulnerable you know any displays of of feelings as a vulnerability is equated with weakness so she had a really hard time expressing feelings because she equated that with being weak or heaven forbid needy in some way that she couldn't handle something. 
The other thing that around the feelings is a problem regulating those feelings. You might find that you have a lot of ups and downs where one minute you feel fine and the next minute you feel really annoyed and you really don't know from one minute to the next. Some people would describe you as a moody person. My husband used to joke and say that I had multiple personalities just as me. And really he was referencing my moods because before I even really got better handle on how to regulate my moods, my moods could get the better of me if I wasn't careful. So what you need to understand about a withholder is not that you don't have feelings. You actually feel things very deeply, but it's not been safe for you to feel your feelings. So you've developed strategies to keep your feelings at bay. And one of the things you do is you don't share your feelings to keep your feelings at bay. Sometimes they have a habit of coming out anyway, even at the most inopportune time. So that's number one. The number two key indicator, and I have notes here because I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. The number two thing is uh, sabotaging intimacy. And one of the ways that a withholder sabotages intimacy is by this um, method of creating distance. A withholder wants to maintain everybody in an arm's length away. So I might invite you to come close to me and I might share some things with myself about you or just enough nothing really too deep, but enough to kind of get you in. But I'm not going to share everything about myself because I don't want to you to come too close to me. So I always kind of want to keep you at an arm's length. Now, if I feel as a withholder that you are coming too close to me, I will do these little things to restore the balance of distance between the two. I want you to think about it this way. Maybe now what you need to know is that a withholder longs to have actual closeness. It's not that you don't want to have distance from people. As a withholder, you want connection, but you fear the intimacy. And that's why you do these distancing techniques to keep people at an arm's length away. One of the ways that you do that is by potentially withholding affection from people, withholding compliments. You might feel like, oh, I want to tell this person how I feel about them or show them what they mean to me or give them a hug even or walk over and put my arm around them. But there'll be something that stops you from doing that. I mean, it can even be as benign as you're scrolling on your imaginary friend list on Facebook, right? And I say imaginary because most of those people aren't our true intimate friendships, like a parody of friendship. But you'll withhold a like even from somebody because it's just, and you might ask yourself, well, that's silly. Why would I do that? It's a subconscious need to keep people close, but not too close. Another way I want you to think about if you had a, a night with somebody because you, you, that you are in love with, or you, you have a really close connection and you guys have this very wonderful evening where you let your guard down a little bit and you share and you're a lot more vulnerable, you could as a withholder suffer, suffer a vulnerability hangover or an intimacy hangover. And the very next day or next minute, you will create an argument with that person to create some distance and get some breathing room again. Now, the people in your life are thinking, why? We were just getting along so great. Why now are you fighting with me about this thing that doesn't even matter? That's a technique that you do in order to keep people to keep safe, to keep people away from you. So you're always doing these little uh, distancing techniques, right? Picking fights with people, withholding affection or compliments or even approval, not letting somebody know how you really feel about them. That could be one of the things. Also, another thing you do is uh, to withhold or create distance is maybe even withhold your pleasure. You kind of live in this kind of numbed out place where you're never too excited about anything because you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, right? So you're just kind of maintaining this distance by not getting too excited about anything even or too happy about something. <clears throat> That's another way that you do it. 
Number three key indicator is poor boundary issues. Now, you might not have a problem telling a stranger how you feel, right? Or telling somebody they're bothering you or upsetting you. But when it comes to intimate relationships where it really counts and matters and you that is where you have a problem really expressing your truth and sharing what you really think and feel. And one of the key areas that a withholder experiences this problem the most is actually in the area of their sex, sexuality. Meaning, uh, if a person, we all have many moods, right? Sometimes we're in the mood for affection or intimacy or sex, and sometimes we're not. But what we've known for sure is that withholders will allow people to cross their boundaries sexually more than somebody who wouldn't. So let's say you're in a relationship and you're not in the mood and somebody comes to you, their partner comes to you and wants to have sex. You, it's easier for you just to have the sex than to communicate with that person. I'm not in the mood or I'm not really feeling it. And so because that requires actually believing it or not, more intimacy. Being able to have a conversation about the relationship in dating, you might find you do this as well. You cross boundaries sexually. You have multiple sexual partners. You have sex very early on or a lot of sex, but you're not talking about the things that really matter in the relationship. You're not going deeper or having more intimacy, sharing yourself. It's easier for you to share your body than it is for you to share your truth when you're a withholder. And you'll find that sometimes even though you long for that deep intimacy, you'll set, you want love, but you'll settle for sex if you're a withholder. And again, not every withholder is this way, but sex and intimacy, remember, are not the same things. So it's easier sometimes for a withholder to have sex than it is for them to be intimate. So again, sharing feelings is the core underlying issue there. All right, number four, key indicator, communication. Now, if a, if a person who is a withholder goes into therapy, or coaching, what you'll find is that they, and you might do this too, if you're a withholder, you won't go into therapy and like announce everything that's going on in your world and just share all the details, all your trauma, all your stuff. In fact, a lot of people who come into therapy or coaching who are withholders don't actually offer anything unless they're asked. But they'll tell the truth when they're asked, they'll share, but not so much, just a little bit at a time. We find that with withholders, it's kind of like asking the right questions will get them to share. But if you don't ask the right questions, you're never they're never going to open up. They're never going to share. And a lot of that, again, is this trust issue at the root of all of this, where I don't know you well enough to share all of this vulnerability with you. But if you ask me, maybe I'll give a little bit. We also find that withholders, when we do get into the background there's an element with a withholder, like everybody did the best they could, we survived and it's over and it's in the past. Withholders do not like to go into the past necessarily for fear of drudging something up. There is a fear of the emotion that could be attached, but a lot of the time, a withholder has convinced themselves that they just don't care, it doesn't matter, it's over, it, it doesn't really affect them or bother them. How do you know that these things are showing up for you still and you are affected is that you're behaving in these ways. It's showing up in all these other ways. So a lot of the time when a withholder is communicating with somebody they love, they have this mind reading fantasy where they think the right person is gonna come along and actually inspire them to wanna share or the right person is going to you know, kind of crack them out of their shell. I want you to think about, you know, a coconut, like a hard, you know, and the inside it's like soft and has this wonderful nourishing juice and all this goodness to share, but it's really hard to get in there. Well, a lot of withholders 
leaders operate that way, where they expect somebody else to just come along and crack them open. And a lot of times we don't have the right tools to open a coconut. Coconuts are very hard to crack, right? So, so are you very hard to crack. So if you're a withholder, the notion that somebody's going to come along and say the right thing or do the right thing to, to inspire you to open up, is just not going to happen because underneath there is this fear of vulnerability. So you have to be the one to actually offer it up. But that's something you're going to need to work on because it's not your natural strength to just want to share. And then the last thing, let's just recap the first four key indicators. We talked about issues around feelings and vulnerability, feeling like you don't know your feelings or you can't really share your feelings. Um, and again, regulating your feelings could be an issue. We talked about creating distance and sabotaging intimacy and all these ways we keep these little boundaries around us. Then we talked about boundary issues, especially when it comes and relates to having sex and letting and settling for sex when we really want this deeper intimacy, but we'll just keep the superficial stuff going. Then we talked about communication issues and expecting mind reading and somebody to crack you open. The last key indicator, and again, you don't have to have all of these key indicators. You could have one that really speaks to you, uh, is binge restrict cycle. I want you to know that from my perspective, all restriction breeds this compulsion, this notion of like, oh, if you tell me I can't have something, I'm really going to want it even more. And the same is true with withholding. So this binge restrict can manifest in any way in your life. In your, not just with food or alcohol or substances, but with people even. You'll binge on a person. You'll be very hot for them, right? You'll put all your time and energy into them and you'll be like, oh my God, I love them. Oh, they're fabulous. Oh, this is wonderful. And then all of a sudden you'll get very cold and you'll feel very turned off by that person and you won't want to be with them. So you run hot and cold. You'll binge on people and then restrict people, okay? Or you'll binge on food, and have enough, enough, and a lot, a lot, a lot, and give your, be very permitting and give yourself everything, but then that won't work, uh, meaning you'll get, you feel deep down that that desire again to withhold will come up and there'll be a restrict phase after that. Not everybody demonstrates this kind of restrict binge pattern. Sometimes some other personality patterns just have a restricting element. Other patterns just have a, a, a all permission. You know, they just overindulge, overindulge, overindulge. You, however, if you're a withholder, there is an element of both of those things present, binging and restricting, hot and cold, all or nothing, and you find you vacillate. With that all or nothing and that binge behavior, there is a serious self-sabotage element there as well. You can run hot and cold with you, your desire to pursue your goals and dreams. You'll go pursue, pursue, and then go cold on yourself and retreat. So there's always this kind of create, collapse, go out, go in, and there's this dance that we do. Now, a lot of people have that dance naturally, but for withholders, it's usually self-destructive and pretty pronounced. Now, why do we do these things? How did we come to the place with these five key indicators? Well, one of the things you need to know is that withholders usually come from a very challenging background. You typically had, you've grown up in an environment with if parents who were absent, addicted, unavailable, um, not over-attentive, not enmeshed, right? That's a different thing. But people who were very unpredictable, unreliable, or who um, didn't quite take care of your needs. And so you learned early on, these people could have even hurt you. It could have gone abusive in many situations. 
And sometimes what happens is we just stuff it all down and rationalize, well, it didn't really hurt me that badly. We talk ourselves out of really needing their affection because you're you're fighting this fight. On the one hand, you want their affection and attention so desperately, you want their love, but on the other hand, they hurt, they're hurting you. And so you kind of convince yourself that you don't want their affection and that's what the withholder is. The withholder is like, I wanna love you, but you might hurt me. At the core root of everything with them, the fear is abandonment, rejection, and pain, kind of like a soup, right? However, withholders don't necessarily fear just abandonment in general. A lot of people could leave a withholder and they'll be totally fine with it because a withholder doesn't get close enough to somebody to actually care if they go. That's the whole name of a game with a withholder. Their biggest fear is getting so attached to somebody that when they do leave them, that'll actually cause them pain. So they just stay so far away so that if you do leave, I won't care. If you do reject me, it won't bother me. Do you see the game that a withholder runs? It's kind of nonsense anyway, right? Because we're withholding from ourselves ultimately at the end of the day. So what is the path out of this? You know, what are the steps that we take? Well, we're, we're in life school, love yourself first empowerment school. And we're learning these self-love, self-disciplines. We're learning how to speak our truth and set the boundaries and feel our feelings and share our feelings. The, the treatment is, is actually inside the pattern, right? If we look at the pattern, if we look at the behavior, the solution is working our way out of that behavior. Enlightenment is one thing. Like I'm gonna give you the insight and you're gonna go, oh my God, the light bulb's gonna go off. That's gonna be great. But action is the next natural step where you need to actually, action is the antidote. You know, you get into these daily decisions that you make, these these disciplines, right? The seven vows that we learn in uh, Love Yourself First Empowerment School, and you start walking the talk on a daily basis and, and behaving your way into recovery. You know, you didn't come by this you know, wake up one day and decide you, you want to withhold and restrict from yourself this intimacy, right? You came by this the hard way. And it's going to take a little bit of hard work on your part to walk your way out of this, to to work your way out of it. And But you, the good news is you can. As a former withholder, I can tell you that even though sometimes that behavior can crop up, you know, and still be in my presence, the awareness of it, oh, then I have the tools I need to walk on this other path, which is fully open, fully self-expressed, fully sharing who I am with you, with the world, with my family. And thank God for that, right? We want the same for you. I love you so much. I hope this has been helpful for you. Let us know in the comments. Are there other ways that you withhold? How many of the five can you relate to? Did you relate to all of them and how so? I love you so much. Take excellent care of yourself. See you soon. Bye-bye.